Welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Seb. And me, Robbie. And uh, this week, it's episode nine, our favourite festive frighteners. For a little <laughs> of a alliteration there, Bobby. You were just singing that a second ago. I was, yeah, I was just singing. I won't sing it now. Because <laughs> I, I was just thinking, with my inability to, to read, I'm definitely going to stumble over that if oh, I have God, say festive, yeah. festive frighteners. Oh, well, I think I just said it like, fave wet. Well, I just said festive, festive frighteners. So. Festive, festive. <laughs> Fucked up at the first hurdle now. Um, but today we're going to be talking about um, kind of two choices for Christmas-themed horror movies. Tis the season, after all. Um, and these aren't so much recommendations, but these are some of the ones that we enjoy, um, that we kind of regularly watch around around the Christmas time. Um, yeah, and some, uh, some of the choices we've had, um, as well as joining together so we've we've made these choices but there are uh there are, we are limited with some christmas choices although there are many out there there are only a few that i you know i've fully seen and that i really love that i've actually enjoyed that much uh there are a few that we've left off of our choices this time but we did kind of have to pick and choose didn't we yeah. have, <laughs> you, you can do that one and i can do this one yeah. uh, mine's possibly a little bit more mainstream yours are a little bit more lower maybe a little less known a little bit more indie um, <laughs> and then we join together as a perfect yeah. duo to uh <laughs> Go talk about our, I think, our joint yes, favourite festive it's be horror. Our joint favorite festive film. Um, Stood yeah. back to back like double impact <laughs> to, to both talk about gremlins. Uh, but before we get onto that, what have you been watching since we last, uh, since we last saw each other? Well, I mean, part of what I've been watching is exactly what we're going to talk about today, Ooh. obviously. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, there was a few of these I haven't seen. Sadly, still one I didn't get to see. Um, in terms of what I've been watching, I mean... It's that season where I don't. I'm, I, horror is probably not the first thing that I'm hitting anymore, to be honest. Because yeah. it's, you know, it's it's the season for all of the Christmas films coming on and things like that. Um, I tell you what, I watched that. It's not horror, but it was really. It's a really weird. I don't know if you've heard of. It's on Netflix and it's called Auntie Donna's House of, and I can't remember its last name. It's a sketch show with no. these three Australian <laughs> actors, and. It, um, it is. It's just the most bizarre. It probably would be right in your ball house because yeah. it's just the most bizarre humor that I've ever seen. <laughs> it's re- it, it works really well because it's nice and short. It's only about nineteen minute episodes, and there's yeah. only about six episodes in the first season. But it's just it's just so bizarre. Like a, a part when in the middle of the night, the the three men that live together, one of them sneaks out for like a little a little snacky in the middle of the night, <laughs> a little a little put put kind yeah, of thing. And he's like he's like looking. He's like what do I choose between the the chocolate pudding or the apple? And the apple's like a rotting apple <laughs> sitting there. And he's just like, mm. he's like, can't decide pudding or chocolate, a- like little uh, yeah. little apple. <laughs> and then another guy appears like, ooh, uh, what are you having for your midnight snack? And then the third guy appears and like, ooh, cheese square. And he just shoves the whole cheese square with the wrapper on into his mouth. Just like, like, that does sound pretty good. It's, it's, it's really fucking weird. Uh, but yeah, what have you been uh, watching? That's an odd choice for me. Yeah. Um, so I've actually been watching um, Hardy Bucks a lot. And that, that came from the recommendation of our producer, Dan. Um, so he dressed as the Viper uh, for Halloween. If you That'd check out Instagram, Insta. <laughs> yeah, you can see it on the Insta. Um, and we watched an episode that evening, but I I was a bit away with the fairies, um, you know, 
kept cutting loose on Halloween, so I don't really remember it. <laughs> and I've just been watching it constantly since. Um, and it's just it's so funny. Um, and then I've been off work uh, for this week, week of holiday. Um, and I've been so lazy. I've just been, you know, I've just been playing, playing Call of Duty Cold War, <laughs> basically all during the day. Um, and then I've been checking out some, and I'm going to, I'm going to butcher his name. And I said to you in the car, like, we'll, yeah. we want to touch on these. In a, in yeah, a yeah, episode. we'll t- discuss this. Yeah. But I said I'd butcher his name and it's Lucio Fulci, maybe. Um, yeah. Possibly. <laughs> and, I, I, yeah. I said I thought I'd done something, you know, and even I can't remember exactly what it was. I can't remember. Pronunciation's a bit odd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I watched uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters, uh, House by the Cemetery, and uh, fuck, what was the what was the other one? Uh, City of the Living Dead. They're all really interesting yeah. films. Great films, but just very yeah, interesting. I think, I think I've only I I think I vaguely remember the Zombie Flesh Eaters. Yeah, but, um, as like his more high profile. Yeah, than bunch, But uh, we've so we are going to try and visit those later in a in a in a separate kind of episode uh, yeah. just because it's so they're such interesting films yeah i'm very i'm very jealous of your your time off <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like sat here like ah oh, well, i'm a teacher so it's the end uh, it's near the end of the the christmas term yeah. and i'm like <laughs> i'm ready for it all to end i'm ready to just sit around and play games and watch horror movies again <laughs> yeah can't wait man um so let's kick us off with the first um favorite festive frightener <laughs> well, favorite festive frightener. I mean, I'm not sure that this one so much falls into the frightener category, but I felt like if you're talking about festive films, you've got to talk about the perfect blend of Christmas and Halloween, which is The Nightmare Before Christmas. A true classic. <laughs> Directed by Henry Selleck, often confused that it's not Tim Burton. Yeah. <laughs> the producer and concepts were Tim Burton. And the music is by Danny Elfman. Um, so let's just talk off with a little overview. I'm sure a lot of people have seen this film. <laughs> it's yeah. not very long. It's only about an hour and 19 minutes long. So it's, it's a pretty short. short, isn't it? Yeah, it's, but then it was one of the first stop motion animations. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty grueling job to do that, yeah. like, nonstop. Um, so it is about Jack Skellington. Uh, Jack Skellington, the Pumpkin King, is bored of the same old Halloween routine. Following Halloween, he travels to the woods and finds an odd circle of trees, each representing a different holiday. As he travels through into Christmas Town, he is amazed by everything around him, wondering, what's this? What's this? <laughs> Had to throw it in there. God. He returns to Halloween Town with the plan of making their very own Christmas to deliver to deliver around the room, but around the world, sorry. But one <laughs> by one, around the room. And that's a short Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> but one by one, everything goes wrong. Sally, a ragdoll who is a prisoner of her creator, Dr. Finkelstein, is in love with Jack and wishes only for her freedom and to be with him. As Jack's Christmas begins to come together in the most horrifying way, Jack tries to take over from Santa. What he doesn't realise is this leads to the villainous Oogie Boogie having Santa Claus as his prisoner, planning to use the power against Jack. Following a disastrous Christmas trip as Santa Claus, Jack is shot out of the sky and realises he must save Santa along with Sally in order to return the world order. Jack defeats and unravels Oogie Boogie with Sally's help and Sally and Jack can finally be together content in their Halloween perfection. There you go. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a classic film, man. 
It and is. It's it, it's not obviously it's short as I said. So there's not too much to go in like to talk about in terms of but it has in terms of scenes and things like that, but there's not much to it in terms of the story, but it it's so visually like yeah. The stop motion animation like one of the first of its kind and it, it's beautiful. The animation. Yeah. I remember like, seeing this as a kid and being instantly hooked from the very beginning. Yeah. You know? Um I think it it's a great the the musical numbers in it are great. A lot of the like you said, the stop motion and the visuals are actually great. Because it's almost it, it's done almost and it's shot almost like a film, but using stop motion. Yeah, yeah, it it is. It's shot perfectly. it is one of those where I guess when you look at comparisons and everyone say like Wallace and Gromit and things like that, stop motion as well. Um, those ones, the comparison, I guess you can tell a lot more, whereas this one I feel like it kind of flows a lot more yeah. clearly and nicely. And um, obviously it's much often believed to be such as like a Disney, which have now taken back over because it's become so popular, but it actually wasn't. It was part of Disney, but they kind of disowned it because they thought it's this isn't this isn't on brand for our family yeah. friendly, you know. And, and at a certain point it was... Um, it kind of got a bit of a rejuvenation in the last like fifteen years or so because it was a box office flop. Yeah, you know it what I mean? always surprises me that it was a box office. Because I remember man. seeing it when I was a kid and I saw it on TV and it was pretty late at night when yeah. I saw it on TV and it was shown then and it wouldn't be show it wasn't shown earlier because for some reason it wasn't deemed so much of a children's film. Well, yeah, it it has very kind of adult and black humor to it, you know. Like there's the bit where she. It, She's uh, Sally's making like a soup for Doctor oh, yeah, Frankenstein, yeah. and she put and she puts she a like little poison, yeah, a little drop of poison to knock him out, and she yeah. does that a few times. Yeah, and with that genius little spoon that has the hole, so when she <laughs> tests it, it's there. Yeah, and yeah, that's what I mean. It, but it's those little ingenious. It's but the thing I like about it is, it is yeah, it could be it is a family f- friendly film, so it's nice to throw one of those out there, yeah. you know. But at the same time. It also has such a dark underlying humor that it, you know, it would completely go over kids' heads. But it is can be quite dark at times. Ideas like that are yeah. pretty dark. That she's trying to poison him, and some of the creatures that they've created, they've created all kind of these different amazing visuals. Yeah. You got like the werewolf character, and you've got like the I love the, the mayor. werewolf character. Yeah, he's just <laughs> yeah. hanging around in his he's little just, suit. Yeah, he's just and he's just like a lumberjack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is. Which is great, and then you've got like the the mayor whose head flips round, yeah. and it's it, it, it. There's so many different creepy, and you've got some where the visuals are so cool, where it's like I think you've got one that's almost like some kind of he kind of looks a bit like a, I would have said slime, but he kind of looks like a poo monster because he literally <laughs> just it just yeah. seems to brown he does brown like shit monster. looks like feces flowing down <laughs> his face kind of thing constantly. Yeah, and um, the, and the, the the witches and all of the creep, you know, it's it's such a stylistic film, isn't it? And like you like you said. It kind of, it's very Tim Burton, and he always is kind of... I mean, of, yeah, you know, this is like the the perfect blend of what he is. I mean, and that is why you, you understand why it gets confused as Tim Burton's film, and then it is also Tim Burton Presents. Yeah, it's a Tim Burton film, that was you not know, direct, that was yeah. the That was the marketing department going, okay, no one knows who our director is, but they know who Tim Burton is, so let's yeah. put him front let's and forward and try and get out there. And this was um, obviously way before... He, Johnny Depp was in everything he did, and Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, it was well. about it was about to say so. So, um, it's it's quite interesting with this one, which um, so um, there's something on Netflix which I watched recently, Holidays That Made Us, 
and they'd done other ones before and it has a lot of information and i watched the documentary on this the other day while i was researching things and it's quite interesting some of the stuff that it revealed about about the film things that i never never realized that came out of this film so tim burton worked in disney originally that's why he got there. So he was an animator, but he got kicked out because he was too much of an oddball kind of thing, which, <laughs> that which makes sense. Me, and um, they didn't really see the worth of him. And then he went ahead and did things like, you know, uh, Beetlejuice. Yeah. And then he did Batman. And well, suddenly shit, he yeah. was the biggest director in town and he had the choice to do them. Disney still own, owned the characters and concepts of Nightmare and he went back to them and said, can we do it? But obviously when a big director at that point walks into your studio and goes, can I have my concert back so I can make this film? They're like, mm, well, we'll make the film. Yeah, we'll, like, we'll we, do it. Let's give us their money. Yeah, and even though they balked at the idea, I didn't know the amount of things that came out of this that were kind of... So he did um, Pee Wee Herman. You know Pee Wee Herman? I know Pee Wee's Big Adventures, things like that. Let's be honest, Pee Wee Herman's not a massive name in... in UK. No, it's it? not as big as in America. He was quite. Yeah. He had a, a TV show back in the day, but he did his first movie, and Tim Burton's the one that directed that. Like yeah. the weirdest choice ever. But the the guy who does it, um, Paul Rubens, kind of that is. He's got a weird sensibility. That's why he's such a weird character. Yeah. Um, and what I didn't know was the amount of people that came together. So that was not only Tim Burton's first thing, but Tim Burton asked Danny Elfman. Now mm-hmm. Danny Elfman, classic composer, scored you know the the Simpsons sound soundtrack, the Batman soundtrack. There are so many that he's, yeah, he's been a part of Spider-Man, the, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Yeah. You've got a good body. Like, work, literally so much. But at that point, he was in a rock band. Oh, shit. And he wasn't even a composer. Uh, Tim Burton just liked him. And that was what was so interesting, that it was the kickoff of this guy's career was doing that. And then Nightmare on Elm Street came along, and it was the first time he'd ever even tried to put together a musical or ideas like that. So it was interesting, like, that from this one little animation, so much came out of it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so, yeah, there was this amazing uh, mixture with A Nightmare on Elm Street of that music and as i mentioned before the what's this what's this you know is just catchy that's the perfect like scene when he's going through christmas town and he's you know i literally (laughs) was about to say what's this again because that's the perfect word to sum it up um but yeah um it it was tim burton's vision it is very tim burton the whole scenery the same and it is made with basically his favorite team of people back from when he worked at disney were the only ones he'd allowed to touch it kind of thing and that's why he hired the director he did um but they did have you know lots of problems along the way and one little behind the scene tidbit that we were talking about a little bit before um was the fact that oogie boogie which is pretty much the amount of people that love that character i mean like i said the popularity bursting back up yeah but the amount of people that love that character but in the film so oogie boogie at the end uh, he gets unraveled, Jack and Sally, and he, you know, out of it comes out, and this is like quite like gross kind of. All of yeah. it comes insects. It's that like it's so cool. They're yeah, like glow in the dark. And yeah, stuff like they that. all just yeah. fly out and things like that, and it's a really cool scene. Wasn't what was originally meant to happen because Tim Burton kind of intervened because the director was going to change it so that Doctor Finkelstein was actually inside of Oogie Boogie, and that was the reveal at the like that was the big reveal at the end of the film, and Tim Burton fucking hated it (laughs) he was like this is this is generic shit he was basically like and as you've heard and you should you know check it out it's quite an interesting little documentary uh he kicked a giant hole in the wall he was that pissed (laughs) off which i can't imagine tim burton doing no but then yeah it is 
I don't know how to define Tim Burton. He looks like a soft lad, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, and you were mentioned about like Johnny Depp and stuff. The reason he couldn't do this film was because he was doing not only Batman Returns, because the studio basically gave him free reigns on Batman Returns, he was also doing Edward Scissorhands. He oh, was doing yeah. like two juggling acts at the same time. Wow. So starting off with Johnny Depp there. And then obviously what we were also saying when we were kind of driving here, uh, which we got caught in some insane fog. We came did. Out they, of nowhere. We're talking John Carpenter, the fog <laughs> yeah. star or the, the mist. <laughs> yeah, came out of nowhere and we could see about four foot in front of us. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> we what were... we were saying about the, the somebody on set um, I'm not sure who, who it was exactly, but they were really uncomfortable with using the character Oogie Boogie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because they said that there were some racial connotations to it. Um, I think it was because of the whole idea of him being kind of like based around this New Orleans kind of dude. And yeah. Being yeah. a bit of a gambler and having all the yeah. stereotypes of basically building up kind of thing. Yeah. Having those kind of like stereotypical like black things uh which i never picked up on you know no. i never picked up on until that got mentioned um yeah i think tim burton basically just it was a screenwriter i, think. Oh, I was a screenwriter i think it, that was who yeah. it was um and she's in the doc- documentary okay. i can't remember her name but she's very outspoken you can tell she doesn't really like tim burton because apparently he kind of took Edward Scissorhands kind of he took it off of her, <laughs> so she made it. And then she, he like she came up with a story and he kind of thing, uh, which is quite interesting. But she, um, yeah, I think he basically just went, yeah, I don't care. Fuck yeah, I don't like, care. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's, this, but it's this interesting that she wanted to change it. But I mean, it's weird because the, the it's just the even the name Oogie Boogie. It just it just works. Yeah, it does kind of work, you know? doesn't it, for the character? Yeah, um, and you do have the Boogie Man, obviously. Yeah, and I think yeah, and I think some of that's a bit like looking at the past and judging it by today's standards, and it's yeah, you know, yeah, that kind of that kind of yeah, bullshit yeah. <laughs> that kind of happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Um, but um, I remember the big resurgence of this because, like you were saying, you know, fourteen, fifteen years ago, you had the big emo, you know, you had the emos rising up, man. Oh yeah. So all of the emo kids at my school, me included, <laughs> like you know, loved this. Film. Love this film. Yeah, and yeah. you had people people wet, you know is that alternative it. yeah christmas film you <laughs> know what i mean and it is that perfect mix you know where yeah. you've got you love halloween it's like the film between you love halloween you like christmas i like wearing what can black, i watch yeah. in between you know i, I like wearing out. black and i you know and i listen to like heavy metal and stuff like yeah. that but at the same time i like christmas but yeah, i don't yeah. want to, but i don't want to be seen watching like oh it's a wonderful yeah. life or and they, lo- and they love alone. it even more because it wasn't it wasn't actually a big success at the, at yeah. the time so, so like, it was that this cult. is like our this, this is, is like our cult yeah. indie yeah. disney finance but indie <laughs> you know, yeah. little foot but, yeah I, I remember it man and then do you remember blink 182 singing and miss you about it i uh, always remember <laughs> we can live like jack and sally if we want. <laughs> and it's like every time i hear that i just laugh man, you know um yeah i guess to finish mine off i had a favorite scene um so the most memorable as we've talked about is the what's this scene nice and thing and disney friendly <laughs> yeah it's literally the scene that when they were trying to convince disney oh this is gonna be fine they sent them that scene because it's nice and colorful and what's this what's this what's this yeah to make them happy but the the one I love is the This Is Halloween yeah. song. That like where you see introduced to all these characters, yeah. you know, like, this is Halloween. This is Halloween. And as yeah. you're going through the town and you see all the creepiness and the ghouls and the, the horror and Halloween fan inside of me is just like, Yeah, I love this. Like, this yeah, is great. This so is perfect. Good. I you know, we want to visit this town. <laughs> yeah. And I I've never seen that I love is when 
um, when Jack's presents all like activate or get open. Oh them. yeah, yeah. And, they and all, all the yeah, the, yeah. All, like, grim stuff like start. Yeah, like up. the 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 the, stu- the tinsel turns into a snake. Yeah. and the the Jack in the box jumps out. Oh, yeah. Really creative stuff, man. Yeah, really cool. Um, um, so let's move yeah. on to Bobby's. Um, so, <laughs> like, I'm just got, I'm gonna stag- stagger every time I think of it. So my favorite festive frighteners, <laughs> <laughs> number one, is Jack Frost from 1997. Jack Frost. Directed by uh, Michael Cooney, who I, when I read that, I thought it said Michael Clooney. And I was thinking, ah, oh, you know, George Clooney, brother. He's also in the industry. And then I was like, no, that's, that's a completely different <laughs> name. And then it's written by Michael Cooney and Jeremy Page. Uh, so what is the plot synopsis, you ask? Uh, when serial killer Jack Frost is being transported to his execution, the van carrying him crashes into a truck containing highly secret government test chemicals, which causes him to fuse with the snow uh, and become an un- unstoppable killing machine. The now seasonal... See, see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> the now seasonal Jack Frost decides to get revenge on the small town sheriff who caught him. And I just think that this film is is so much fun. And as I've said in previous episodes, you know, who doesn't love a good uh, horror comedy? Yeah, I mean, I I, I told you about because I had, I had this DVD um, literally throughout my childhood with the front cover, which as yeah. we discussed is very is it's a completely different character yeah, design than the one. So different. It, it it's a it's a better character design than <laughs> yeah. the one they had that they could afford to it, do because it's got like snaggled teeth and it, yeah, it actually looks, it looks like, like ice like, like around a the dog face. ice monster kind it of. kind of looks like the, the, the you know um so what's the main character's name in this one Jeff? in this film yeah in the jack i can't jack frost, jack frost. oh yeah <laughs> his name <laughs> swing and a mess his there name we is, go what's his name the brain is not working <laughs> what is the what name is the what's the of the film what's the that name the... of jack frost <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the bit when he gets transformed, like formed, you could imagine the front cover character the way he looks. That would have looked like a cool, like oh, he transforms into that weird, like yeah. But it's not. But I had this on my in my on my DVD shelf the whole time. I was saying because when I was younger, my dad was buying all these DV- like buying all these DVDs off someone that was moving away. They were moving to America, and I'm like, oh, we're clearing everything out. Just take it. We'll give it you for like you know ten p. And this is back when DVDs were you know new yeah so like he was buying them up and he bought jack frost because he thought it was the michael keaton fam uh, christmas movie jack yeah. frost which uh, i think came out two years after this yeah i think yeah, yeah it, they they copied <laughs> they copied <laughs> and original. just took out all of the gore and the horror and, <laughs> yeah um yeah so he thought it was that and then when it arrived and it was that my dad basically just left it behind <laughs> like left it left it there and um it was just sat there and i i don't as I said, I didn't know if I'd ever watched it bef- before. It wasn't until I was about halfway through this film that I was like, I think I did. I, after all those years loving horror, I was like, how did I not watch it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I did. I must have popped it in sometimes. But as we said, when I watched it the other day, I watched a toned down version because I watched a copy that was on YouTube. Yeah. And it had cut out all of the gore. So I was like, this is fucking tame. Yeah, you were like, this is dog shit. <laughs> yeah, this is not... I come to a film like this expecting over-the-top gore and just stupid hilarity, like a Freddy Krueger low budget. Like, and yeah. that is kind of a bit, but yeah, it was a it's an interesting film to say the least. Yeah. I do really enjoy it. Well, it, it was it was actually direct to video and it was a critical failure. Um, but obviously, you know, once you watch it, you kind of understand why it becomes a cult classic. Um, 
it was made on a relatively low budget, as yeah. you can tell by watching it. Um, and I couldn't find out exactly, but uh, Michael Cooney, who who actually went on to write uh, Identity, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, John did, Cusack, yeah. Uh, John Ray, Cusack, John, John C. McGinley, and um, Ray, Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta, that's it. Yeah. Um, he said that Identity had a budget of $30 million, right? And Jack Frost was made um, for less than identity's catering budget yeah. <laughs> which is mental you i know, know yeah because i think alfred molina's in that film as well if i remember right i think i i've watched this film not long identity yeah. not long ago it was on our british horror channel and um i watched it not too long ago it's it's not it's not a great film it's not great but i remember i had fond memories because i remembered liking it when i was a kid so, so I do i watched yeah. it and then yeah i watched it it wasn't so it wasn't so good. It's, it's got it's got a bad twist as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I mean, those boys must have liked their food. Yeah, 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 yeah. That but that catering budget was was a bigger budget than Jack Frost nineteen ninety seven. But the film does just have cheesy special effects, comical, and you know over the top deaths, um, which sometimes are pretty funny. Like um, just the fact that like you have a snowman. Who, who can change his form as well. So you have that one guy who goes out for like a cigarette and Jack Frost is like calling him names and stuff and he can't see anything. Oh, and yeah, there's yeah. a snowman in front of him. When he turns around, he gets the axe in him. Oh, yeah. Because he, he, he makes the pun, I axed you I axed for a cigarette. You. Yeah. I axed you <laughs> And for that's a it. And one thing that I love about this is Freddy Krueger makes a good pun. Yeah. Know? When he kills it's someone, a very Freddy Krueger He makes a pun. Character. Yeah. But Jack Frost makes like he'll he makes about three or four puns it's like he can't decide what yeah. he wants to do <laughs> like he he just makes like three or four puns and like, it's yeah until he thinks one lands with himself basically because <laughs> yeah. everyone else around him dead he's, he's just... a perfectionist and he wants something <laughs> that sticks um but it's just, it's just really good fun um and i don't know if you had this as well um but about two-thirds of the way through the film um it kind of shows just how indestructible Jack Frost is because it has a very kind of climactic part to it and it feels like a natural ending for the film. You know, they, they blow him up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and you think, okay, that's it. Jack Frost is dead. He's gone. Yeah. And I was like, okay. It was a bit on the short side, but wrapped it up nicely. And actually, that was quite cool. And then Jack Frost just comes back. He comes back, yeah. And I and he and that kind of happens like two or three times. Yeah. And I it, it, it actually felt quite cool to me because I was like, okay, I hadn't paused it or anything, <laughs> so I didn't know that there was any time left. I was just like, oh, that's it's ended. That's a that's quite a cool ending. And then to show that he's actually a bit invincible, you know, it was quite cool. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was it it was cool. It was kind of that. Um, was it the t- T eight hundred or whatever, it kind of turned yeah. it like he'll cut, it'll always he just, come back. It's like a Terminator made out of snow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> and, and and a critical failure, yeah. <laughs> and a Christmas film. Um, and it's also got the um, it's also the film debut of Shannon Elizabeth Fadell um, of American Pie fame, yeah. but also Scary Movie, Jay and Silent Bob, and if you're a horror fan, Thirteen Ghosts. And the um, Night of the Demons remake, ah. <laughs> which I watched this, and then the next night I, I randomly watched the Night of the De- Demons <laughs> remake, and I was like, "Oh, she is in this film as well." <laughs> Coincidence. Um, and that was great to see because I think you know 
grow growing up watching American Pie. Like we were the kind of generation. With where, it was our like uh, yeah yeah American Pie was the movies the, the comedy movies we were watching. When we were about twelve thirteen. <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody had a crush on Nadia. You know, yeah. loved Nadia, and <laughs> and that that it, it filled my filled me with love again and being like oh yeah this is like her first film. Was quite cool. <laughs> filled you with love again. <laughs> fond memories of uh, whatever you did while you watched that film i'm sure yeah you can, you can imagine <laughs> i don't think we want it <laughs> mr jason biggs <laughs> yeah more about him <laughs> biggs by name biggs by nature <laughs> but she gets quite in this film her almost controversial death yeah definitely. in this one it is a bit uh, uh looking back at it you know nowadays it is I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it always would have been, because I guess it's the way that it was made, but, I mean, it's basically a... Is it snowman rape? I don't know. It's hard to tell, but then the implication is the the carrot at the end, it's like, (laughs) comes out, like, it appears to come from somewhere. (laughs) Before, that's a really cool scene. So, you know, um, the lovely Shannon Elizabeth... um, has. It's a very comic scene, by the way. That yeah. makes it sound dark, but it's 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 played very comic. Like her arms flailing yeah. around. Well, she gets into a, a bath com- yeah. of water, and it's you know, um, and first watching this, I was like, wouldn't that water be really cold? But it's like normal hot water, and then she's like, oh, the water's getting a bit cold, and then he starts to form into Jack Frost. Yeah, and I was like, oh shit, you know, it's kick off. I thought she was gonna survive, to be honest. Um, because it's Shannon Elizabeth, <laughs> but then it is her first film. Yeah, I was going to say, I was yeah. not expecting that. <laughs> I kind of was, I, I think. And then, yeah, and then the snowman rape happens. And it is, it's like, I mean, it's let's, a bit controversial. Let's, let's make this clear for what it is, though. So if, if you don't know this film and you haven't seen this film, this is literally a bad, like a quite like poorly made giant snowman i yeah. mean like a big thick snowman it's a guy inside a snowman suit yeah that you know it it doesn't look real but no. that's part of the appeal that it's let it, it it's it's funny because he literally rises up and she's like stuck inside this big snowman yeah. and that's why we were talking about the design before that the design on the cover is so like sleek and well designed and like it looks like it could easily be a nice practical effect that someone yeah. did this one is a big giant <laughs> snowman that's just holding on to her and like she's like flaying around and screaming and things like that. But at the end of the day, it is a snowman with a big carrot nose and a big yeah. and a hat on it. And you're just like, Do you have a hat on? I feel like you did. He gets a hat <laughs> and he gets a scarf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He adds all of your classic and he has snowman a pipe features. As well. He does. I don't know how a, a snowman oh, yeah, he, after yeah. after that death scene he's smoking he's smoking in the mirror. And I don't know how a snowman smokes. I, I don't know, but then I don't know. The anatomy of this thing is uh, quite <laughs> it's, confusing. It's unknown. It does have a continuity error there, actually. I noticed when I was watching. She's um, so she's flailing around as she's grabbing him, and uh, like you see a shot from outside, yeah. And you see what looks like her flailing arms look like she's waving, and then a guy that's randomly walking by just stops and goes waves up. At her. <laughs> um, and then oh it, yeah, and then it cuts back to her and the thing, and her arms are actually stuck inside yeah. of Jack. So it's a, it's a funny joke, but it, it's a bad edit. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. Um, but I would, you know, I would, I definitely say check it out because it, it fits too. into. It's so bad, it's good. It is. It's like a Trolls two kind of like not quite that. It's not quite. It, it's, it's a better made film than that, and it has some. And his transformation scene, like in it, is quite yeah. cool. Uh, I thought when I actually watched it, when I watched the edited version, it just showed a 
blood splatter on the snow that disappeared into the snow and i was like and then some bad cgi for like his blood cells changing into yeah. like, and then when i watched the again i realized his body actually gets properly like melted yeah, down and things it's it a looks cool decent, effect yeah like yeah it's a uh, yeah i really enjoyed it have you uh yeah let's hear your next festive favorite frightener did i felt that yeah, I fucked that up. It's favourite festive frightness. <laughs> the tongue twister that t- I made at last minute. <laughs> yeah. Shocked Bobby. <laughs> last minute tongue twisters. Uh, okay, mine is Krampus 2015. Uh, this is so a much more modern little horror classic. Probably the most modern we've got on today. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we've got anything newer than this. Um, it's made by uh, Mike, uh, Michael Doty, who uh, made Trick or Treat and Godzilla, King of Monsters. And he's also involved with the new Hellraiser TV show, if that goes ahead. <laughs> yeah, apparently Clive Barker's got the rights back. That's what I mean, so we, we don't shall know. find out. Unless he decides to keep going. Um, and it, uh, it's cast, it's got a pretty good cast. Uh, Tony Collette, who some of you will know her for Hereditary, um, but she's she's done so much. Yeah, Mural's Wedding, About a Boy, like such like yeah. such a big range of things. She's such a she's good a great actress. actress. She should have got. I mean, she should have got a nod at least for Hereditary. Yeah, oh, I, incredible. I haven't seen Hereditary yet, but I hear how good her incredible. performance is. Yeah, um, but I'm not surprised because she's great in other things. Uh, Adam Scott, which some of you know from Parks and Rec. I lo- I I. I love Adam Scott. I genuinely don't think I've seen him in a bad film. Even when he does small parts. I don't I don't think so. I mean, I did uh, Hot Tub Time Machine 2 I did see which wasn't. wasn't That's okay. It's it's all right. It's not bad. It's not bad. The first one, the first, first one's, one's much good. better, but <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, uh, David Kochner who um, uh, Anchorman oh, and yeah. he was in Final Destination 5. He kind of gets around everywhere. He He's quite a mainstay. Um Alison Tolman, who uh, I don't know so much. She's in the, uh, if anyone's seen the Fargo TV show. And Conchetta Farrell, who plays the uh, the, the ant, uh, the useless ant for most of the film. She just sits there just like going oh, away. I thought you were saying what film she's been in. What, and you Conchetta Farrell? Yeah, I thought you were saying that she is, she she's is been a useless, useless ant. ant. And I was like, oh, in Bugs Life? <laughs> or oh, in Ants? And I was like, oh, ant as in no, auntie. Uh, she yeah. probably best. Though she was in, actually was in Edward Scissorhands. But not um, as an ant. <laughs> and not as an ant. And she was also probably recently, she's more known as, she she actually died recently. Oh, sure. Um, but right. she's actually more known as the maid on Two and a Half Men. You know, so yeah, you've right. seen that. <laughs> yeah. um, so what happens in the film? So um, there's lots of layers to this, so I haven't gone too much in depth with this one. But uh, when his dysfunctional family clashes over the holiday, young Max gets disillusioned and turns his back on Christmas. Meanwhile, the lack of festive spirit unleashes the wrath of Krampus, a demonic force of ancient evil intent on punishing non-believers. All hell breaks loose on beloved holiday icons take on a monstrous life of their own, laying siege to the fractured family home and forcing them to fight for one another if they hope to survive. So that pretty much very nicely sells the fact that this is a two families that don't really want to be together, but yeah. are kind of together. Um, and Christmas is all about coming together. It is. As a it is. It is pretty much they force together, and I mean, we we watched this in the cinema we, together. Yeah, we did. Um, and we were really excited before this came out when they said when we knew there was a new Christmas horror kind of coming out, and um, I mean, it, I think it's a visually fantastic horror, modern yeah, horror film. It's very good. Um, 
and the fact that it mainly uses practical effects to bring a range of creatures to life. So it's not just Krampus, it's so many elves, jack-in-the-boxes, creepy bears, gingerbread men. Yeah, gingerbread men. All these little things are just so well done. Um, The... And yeah, as I mentioned, the Jack in the Box and the Gingerbread Men, I thought were really cool characters. Yeah, I thought they were, they were the ones that stuck out to me. I remember yeah. watching this in cinema, um, and I was going in, going in under the impression that it was going to be like uh, a bit more of a, a blood and guts kind of. Yeah. A bit more in line with something like Black Christmas or another film I'm going to talk about later. But it isn't. It's a bit more of like... A, it yeah, it's hard to say. Kind of. Exactly I I think it's uh, very much. He I think the director very much wanted to make something that was in the vein of a, a, a little bit more of a family friendly one. So it was a. It is a. I think Gremlins was a huge influence on this. There's a lot of scenes that are like akin to Gremlins. Yeah. Um, and I think films like that were a big, but also festive films. I think, and that's kind of why it's perfectly there because they have taken from both things like It's a Wonderful Life and things like that to kind of create it where it builds to like its ending. Um, so later on in, it, it, as we get right towards the end of the, f- as uh, end of the film, it kind of like Max has to decide between, you know, um, are you going to repent and relive for like, are you going to, you know, think about Christmas again and not just push it away and push your family again, think about it again. And as a, like he has to confront Krampus and um, he has to make that choice. And at the end, you get this kind of ambiguous kind of ending where he's, he's, they, he comes down on Christmas Day and everyone's fine again and everyone's happy and thing. And, and we go and then we zoom out and the family seems to suddenly, it's like as if they've just remembered something that's happened to them, the trauma of the night. And then you see the snow globes in, in Krampus's kind of room in, in a kind of, it's almost a little bit Jeepers Creepers where you see the kind of yeah. little room. And he's got all these different ones, which is, some people see it in different ways. They see it as this is them trapped forever in some kind of purgatory, yeah. reliving the same day. Um, but I think the director wanted to make this family-friendly film. He wanted something more in the vein of It's a Wonderful Life, where they kind of learn from what their mistakes that they've yeah. made. And this is kind of Krampus just overviewing that they are following what They're he's still given them, the chance it. he's given them. And these are kind of his portals to those worlds if he ever has to lay the smack down. Yeah. Now, Krampus <laughs> is interesting in this film because, well, I say interesting in the film. I think out of all of the characters, he might be one of the less interesting characters is one of the things where there's a little bit of a thing for me. Like, he's cool in the background. That's but when you actually you get to see him in yeah. person, I felt like it was. I was a little bit let down by that bit. That was one of the few things in this film that let me down a little bit. Yeah, I bit. think he works, be- he works better as a kind of puppet yeah. master character. I think so, you know, yeah, in that in background. background. And he's like played this. really well in the background and things like in the stories. But yeah. when you actually come face to face to him, he's got this weird, like, jaw that hangs open. And it's a practical effect, but they haven't done anything to make it move. So the whole thing, he just he's just there with his jaw open. Whereas other characters that they've made, the Jack of the Box and things like that, the mouth is kind of like moving, like they're moving, they're thinking, they're yeah. eating, they're trying to grab them. But Krampus just stays open in this really weird way, which I guess could be seen as creepy, but I just started to look at it and go, it just doesn't, suddenly he just doesn't seem like a real character compared to the rest of yeah. these ones you've created. So it's kind of weird that you've got Krampus and obviously this is all plays into Krampus. So it, it works on that kind of level, but the character itself that you see, I don't think worked as well as some of the other ones. He wasn't that scary, I didn't find. I felt like other one, like the other characters they'd built around him 
were the creepy characters and he's kind of just there as the overseer but i guess that's kind of i what guess he was. That, yeah that's part you know. of the role isn't it that he is the overseer the other ones are the actual the threats so they're the ones to be scared of whereas he's more in control of it yeah that's the way in which i kind of that's what's that's how i see it you know so it's okay that he's n- not as scary maybe he could have background him a little bit more yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, but I think all of that does play into Michael Doherty's Bowhouse. He he has made fairly quite friendly, like even, I don't know if you've seen Truck or Treat, but it does have a kind like, of yeah, like, like a light. It, it's not fully like all on gore. So I don't know why I, I was expecting what you were, which was a full on, you know, a bit more of a gory based That's thing. That's what I was expecting. But instead, yeah, it is this festive, like it almost is festive family. It wasn't a, a high rating either because you don't see actually much gore, but. The nice thing is you've got all of this great cast of characters and they've built them up and um, they're all really game for this kind of crazy yeah. ride that they go on. Um, but it, it, it's kind of nice to have another film that's kind of like a Gremlins or a Critters or something like that where it's just kind of like, have fun with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've got all these different characters, they pop in. The film moves quite fast. It's not um, lots of little, you know, it's not just, oh, we're waiting for Krampus. Lots of characters go. And the other nice thing is the... Um, the death of children first. Yeah. The nice thing. <laughs> that's what I say. Yeah. We love children dying. <laughs> yes. Uh, family focus. Yeah. Makes you like, but because it's got such a family focus on the two of them, you really feel for the loss when they go like really early on. So you've got like the daughter of Adam Scott and Tony Collette's characters. She's like, she's you don't expect quick, when you take out, she's taken out so quickly and you're not expecting someone like that kind of young to go so early on. Um, she has a great scene where she's under the van, like, yeah, like she's running, scene. escaping, and she's under the van. And then it has a kind of slow build, and you can hear something, and you know that Krampus is around. And then suddenly she turns, and there's just like a little jack on the box. It's just yeah. a little one, which obviously we find out more that it actually turns into this giant beast later on. But just then, it's just a little jack in the box, and then it just starts to slowly wind, and yeah, it's then so- it just cuts, but. It's a great little like jump scare. It's so well done, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. The the thing I, I love about that Jack in the Box creature, though, is um, it just it's this giant. You don't expect to see it, but it's just a giant Jack in the Box. It's kind of like some kind of weird slug worm <laughs> creature, really um, and it opens its mouth like like some kind of like Glamo del Toro like uh, creature. For you know, from the uh, you know, Lovecraftian kind of creature, yes, yeah, it's, it's got that kind um, of almost body horror esque vibe to it, hasn't it? Um, yeah, um, so I, I love that. And then one other thing, uh, kind of aching is we have another stop motion feature on mine because the animate there's an animated sequence which reveals that the grandma that's in the house, you know, that she knows something about yeah. Krampus the whole film, she's she's keeping the fire burning, trying to keep him out, and um, the animated sequence revealing the grandmother. It, of Krampus it shows the haunting but it's quite a beautiful like of the loss of what Christmas was when she was a child when she yeah. turned her back on it and her family not as lucky as Max at the end of this film he learns from her story because she lost everything basically everyone was taken for her because she still wouldn't give that chance to Christmas again when she was a child so she kind of lost everything but it's, it's played out in such a beautiful stop motion scene I can't um, remember that scene. I'm, I'm, I mean, I watched Krampus. Obviously, we watched it in the cinema, and then I, I watched it again because when we went into it, I was expecting a completely different kind of film. 
yeah. like I've said, I was expecting a bit of like a bloody film. I was expecting something more in veins of like Black Christmas, that kind of stuff. And then when I actually watched the film, like you said, it's a bit more of that family friendly, gremlins esque kind of stuff. Yeah. And I came out thinking, oh, that was all right. And then I watched it back, kind of going in with a different mindset. And I enjoyed it a lot more. I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember that scene. Yeah, it, it's not it's not a lot it's not a long sequence, um, but it does it does it just plays out in a, a nice classic little kind of animation what happened with Krampus and you see him in the shadows and things like that and you see how she got this little this little bell that they have that kind of symbolizes that Krampus has been here and you've learnt your lesson kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but he d- he takes everything around her, not her. So it's just her that's left. Her family and stuff are taken from her. It's fucked. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've got a little favorite kind of like scene. Um, so we've talked about how, you know, I, I think the, the van scene is pretty terrifying for early on, actually. Yeah, definitely. it's one of the better ones. Um, but my favorite scene is kind of plays out in two ways. Um, it has to, it's the scene where they are in the attic and they're trying to save the um, the, the auntie's daughter, which is probably about Anderson Tolman and David Kirkshire's daughter. And as they come into the attic, one of them's being swallowed by the jack in the box. Yeah, I remember that. And the other one's just terrified, and they're trying to get and they're trying to get him out. And you can see it being eaten. It's kind of like a yeah, I've I've like said here more like a tremor monster, like that yeah. kind of creature. Grab um, yeah. <laughs> so that giant jack in the box, and then out comes a terrifying like this this big creepy like big razor teeth teddy bear, and he just jumps out at them, and then out comes. <laughs> an insane looking angel with these like creepy mess up crazy eyes like comes down like this little weird like Nyah! yeah like shaking and stuff yeah it's, it's a it's such a visually strange and interesting film isn't it it is and then yeah and then on the same scene you've also got the gingerbread man coming into the kitchen with david coach's character who's trying to shoot them with shotguns and they're coming at him like little gremlins and yeah. it, this this scene's very gremlin-esque where they're coming after him in the kitchen and they're trying to get at him and yeah it, it just it visually it works so well um yeah so that is my uh next one well my uh my next favorite festive uh oh i forgot <laughs> it <laughs> the tongue twister has evaded me man <laughs> well my next film festive favorite i can't even remember can't even title remember. there we yeah. go it's gone and uh well it's silent night deadly night um i can't remember the year of it because the sheet that has that has just disappeared um so if you would be so kind, Seb, as to try and find out what year it was. I'm going to go for 1984. 1984. Ah, yeah, 1984. See, I didn't need the paper in the end. <laughs> um, and it's directed by Charles E. Seller Jr. and written by Michael Hickey and Paul Cammy. Um, well, it's a, it's a relatively straightforward film to kind of explain. Um, a young boy called Billy witnesses a man dressed as Santa Claus kill his parents. Uh, him and his baby brother are then raised in a strict Catholic orphanage. Many years later, Billy, suffering with PTSD, um, kind of has a breakdown and goes on a killing spree dressed as Santa. That's, you know, that is just a basic plot synopsis. Yeah. But the actual film, it says, is really interesting. And I know what you're, you're kind of saying, you know. Oh, no, not another Halloween, ev- you know, event-based knockoff, you know, yeah. put it in the bin. <laughs> um, but the film is actually surprisingly well-paced. So the build-up and exploration of Billy's PTSD is about two-thirds of the film. So you have, you know, you have the, the kind of build-up at the start of it. You know, they go and visit his, his granddad who hasn't spoken for years. And then his granddad says, you know, 
Santa's coming tonight. You better run away. You better be scared. Santa's horrible. You know, he, he, he punishes people. If you've, if you've made one little mistake, one, if you've been bad once all year, he punishes you. Um, and then when he's driving home, they find somebody's car who's broken down as Santa. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Billy's freaking out. And he shoots the dad, tries to rape the mum, and then kills her. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, so then Billy kind of, Billy and his brother are then raised in this Catholic orphanage. And he, you know, he's all kind of terrified of Santa. So they bring a Santa in, he attacks it. He, he witnesses, like, two people having sex. And then he sees the nuns, like, punishing them. It's a really weird film, and then he and then it jumps forward, and and he's like a he's like an all American boy, you know, he's like a proper Chad. He's like yeah. really big, really muscly. The jock. He's like the jock, but he's <laughs> proper straight, straight lace because of all of this. Like, doesn't drink alcohol, doesn't curse, doesn't, you know, he does everything good because he doesn't want Santa to punish him, yeah. punish him <laughs> at all. Um, and it's it's really weird because you have these first two two thirds of the film which are this, and then something happens and Billy cracks basically and he goes on a massive killing spree dressed as Santa and it, it's it is a slasher film but it's strange because the killer is known in this one and the killer is actually our protagonist so it's yeah. very it's a very strange kind mm. of feel you feel for Billy and you you he's quite a likable character and he is, he's quite nice because he's quite mm. a damaged character it's quite but, interesting to get into the mind, though, isn't it? Yeah. We've got quite a few horrors where it lets you into the mind of yeah. the killer, and that's quite a cool aspect, though. Yeah. Where I'm certain that, as you said, people would call a schlocky kind yeah. of rip-off. Well, when I first not- you know, watched this many years ago, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, this is it's got to be dog shit, you know? And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, shit, yeah, that's really cool. And I yeah. was like, well, I kind of get why Billy went fucking mental. You know, it, it, I didn't, I don't condone it, <laughs> but I kind of get it. Um, and the kills of the gore are really well done. Um, there's a particularly good fight scene between Billy and one of his victims. So Billy, um, he, the, the, he's, he's cracked and he's killed a couple of people and he's going off and he sees these, this young couple, you know, getting it on and this dude's laying pipe and Billy is like, that's bad. So he has to punish them. And he he somehow went because I don't know how, but he somehow gets like borderline like super strength. <laughs> so he picks this as many horror as many do. do. <laughs> but it's super strength when the plot allows it because he picks this girl up and he hooks her onto the onto like a you know a a, a buck's head trophy. Yeah. And the the horns go through her or the antlers whatever kill her. And then her boyfriend comes in and bit and him and him and Billy have this fight and it's not like you know when they usually fight in a horror film yeah. where he hits him a couple of times, he dies. It's like an actual, like, you know, couple of minutes struggle <laughs> and it's actual fight. And it's pretty cool done. Um, Although you would have thought after he just hooked someone yeah. to Antler that he'd be able to kick his ass easily. Easily, <laughs> but, th- but that's gone. You know, he's used his superpower. And he does it uh, in a- another part of the film. He just picks someone up. And it's really weird. <laughs> um, but it- the movie does have quite a bit of a backlash at the time kind of due to the killer being dressed as Santa and people actually protested the cinema's playing it by meeting outside and singing Christmas carols like I don't know what that uh, what that intention is <laughs> like, we're going to beat your evil film by singing Christmas carols about it it doesn't well, make any sense happy destroys evil <laughs> yeah happy beats good um but no it's just it's just a really 
it's a really interesting watch and a good film. I started watching the sequel after because I think this spawned um, four sequels, I think. Four sequels? I thought four there was sequels. only the one sequel in this. So, as you, you may tell, I, I didn't actually get to see this film. So, yeah. I haven't seen this you... film. I've never seen this film, so I didn't get a chance. <laughs> so, you're uh, the naughty boy. So, I'm boy. just sat here a minute, yeah. like listening to the plot like, oh, really? That's what yeah. happened. Um, I knew more about the sequel than I did about the original film. I yeah. knew about the sequel. I'd even seen scenes from the sequel because I'd heard how bad the sequel yeah. is, where the sequel basically repeats, like, isn't it? Is it but the a third his, or two thirds? I don't know. The sequel's his brother. Um, so you have you have Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is obviously the first one. And yeah. then I think you have uh, part two and three, which are related. Then you have four and five which are unrelated and then you have a reboot um or a remake God. but i had no idea yeah. i just know, i know it's silent night deadly night 2 yeah because yeah they just said that basically it spends got... it spends like a third of the film repeating scenes from the previous yeah. film which screams of we didn't have any budget or we had so there was something wrong here yeah. or, but i did not know it made more sequels than yeah. that well I, I watched silent night deadly night and then i was like that was that was really good i'm gonna watch it again and it sets up the next one quite well um, yeah, because he goes back to the orphanage he was raised in, you know, and they they kill him just before, and then he looks, you know, he sees his brother who's grown up a little bit, and then it's his brother in the, in the, the next two. Yeah, and I start, and I was like, you know what, that was really good. I'm actually, going, I'm going to watch the second one. I've heard it's dog shit, but I'm going to watch it anyway. And then I watched about ten, fifteen minutes, and it was just flashbacks from the first one. It was like <laughs> his his brother being like. Well, it all started that night, and then it just replays Scenes. bits of the first one. And I was like, and the first one's got quite a lot of like, <laughs> flashbacks in it anyway. So I was like, I don't want to watch another flashback of a flashback. Yeah. So I was just like, nah, fuck nah, that. I put Deep Blue Sea on in the end. <laughs> <laughs> in loving that. Yeah. Sam Jackson. But I would definitely recommend it. Oh, yeah. I definitely, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it this lovely holiday season. Bring yeah. some merriment into my life. <laughs> um, Okay, so then it comes to our little joint favourite where we were both originally like, ah, oh, oh, Bobby, you can have it now. now we were, you can have yeah, it. We were you both, can have it. You know, a bit of back and forth. It's the time for giving, so we were yeah. both like, you have it. <laughs> you can have this <laughs> one. Both really wanted to do it. Yes, so it. we've combined our powers. Joint forces, back to yeah. back, double impact. <laughs> <laughs> so for our final f- film of the evening, uh, Gremlins. Uh, Gremlins, uh, 1980. Oh, I've got 1984 as well. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Gremlins, 1984. And uh, Steven Spielberg. Oh, sorry. I've actually written Steven Spielberg presents Joe Dante. <laughs> because everyone thinks Joe it's Dante. Steven Spielberg. Again, even yeah. though lots of people, plenty of people in there know, know it's Dante. We've got the same Tim Burton effect where people think that Steven Spielberg made this film. Yeah, or they even think the writer of the film made the film, which was Christopher Columbus who you'll know for discovering America. <laughs> well, yeah. Home Alone, he made he yeah. did the ho- he wrote and did the Home Alone films, he did ha- the first two Harry Potter films. So lots of people know Christopher Columbus and some people know don't know Joe Dante as well, but Joe Dante's fantastic and he was Joe, hired yeah. for this because of The Howling, which, which you awesome. mentioned yeah. you watched. I still haven't seen that one. And he also did the fantastic uh, Small Soldiers, which oh, was, hell, <laughs> yeah, which we talked about last time. Um, which we still don't know if it's a Christmas film or not. No, we need to go and just we watch it. We need to watch it. Just I watch think, it. I, it's so weird because I knew this was a Christmas film, but I always forget Gremlins is a Christmas film. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. It, it, 
I, I mean, I mean, I guess. I, would, uh, I agreed with that then. And I'm like, actually, no, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> because Christmas be- is very heavy in the plot. Because, like, my favorite, literally, my favorite, like, get hyped thing ever for Christmas is watching the start of Gremlins because the opening is literally, like, after it, after it has that whole Chinese, you know, uh, yeah, where he he's going through Chinatown and he's, you know, looking and find the Gremlin, then it kicks in. And the second it kicks in, that opening scene's not Christmassy at all. Then the next scene that it goes into literally goes, dude, dude, Christmas. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? How. And it just yeah. is like, okay, this is a Christmas. But at the same time, if you're just thinking about the gremlins and stuff, then there's not this. It could have been at any other time of year. Yeah. And it still probably would have worked perfectly fine. Um, We've got a cast. So the classic Billy, uh, played by Zach Gilligan, the. Uh, Kate, played by Phoebe Cates. Uh, Dick Miller, who is Murray, who is uh, also in Small Soldiers as the uh, delivery driver. Hoyt Axon as the fantastic Randall Peltzer with his amazing inventions. Corey Feldman as Pete, the best friend, well, the weird best friend teenage boy of (laughs) Billy. Um, Judge Reinhold from the Santa Claus and... uh, (laughs) Uh, the well, I can't remember now. <laughs> the Eddie Murphy cop, for, uh, Beverly uh, Hills cop, Beverly Hills cop. I love Judge Reynold. <laughs> and uh, of course, I've put Gizmo and Stripe in the cast be. because they're key players in this film. They are. Uh, would you like to tell us what it is about? I will tell you what it is about. Uh, miniature green monsters tear through the small town of Kingston Falls. Hijinks ensue as a mild-mannered bank teller releases these hideous loonies after gaining a new pet and violating two or three simple rules. No water, violated. No food after midnight, violated. And no bright lights. Uh, Hilarious mayhem and destruction in a town straight out of Norman Rockwell. So, when your washing machine blows up or your TV goes on the fritz, before you call the repairman, turn on all the lights and look under all the beds because you can never tell it might just be a gremlin in your house. <laughs> the classic ending line there. Yeah, I love that. There's such a good line at the end of it. Um, yeah, so I've already talked about my ultimate little Christmas hype moment there. With yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, this, this for, it's, it's not only is it such an easy film to watch, it, it literally is just, it works so well as both a family friendly, but also kind of a... It's a bit it's of a dark not, It's humor. not scary, but it's... it's it, I wouldn't it's a say it's full of scary, but it's, it is a horror comedy completely. It's one of the best horror comedies. Yeah. Um, and it does mix that perfect blend of, like like, like you said, the dark humour that's always playing out throughout in little, in little, little scenes, such as the... Not just the way the gremlins act like little fucks. <laughs> they are little fucking bastards, aren't they? Yeah. I love them so much. Yeah, they're... I prefer the gremlins to the to the uh, to the Mogwais. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I I always loved Gizmo. I always wanted a. Uh... I, I had a toy gizmo for years. I still got him, actually. His arms ripped off. So <laughs> you someone took his arm off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never... I like... I, I was never huge on gizmo. I preferred uh, Stripe. Yeah. He was so much cooler. Stri- Stripe, the Stripe is awesome. I mean, the design of the Gremlins and the Mogwai just works so perfectly. Yeah. Those little creepy... Like... The difference in the body types is just fantastic. The the gr- that green creepy exoskeleton on the gremlin it just works yeah. so well. And the even little the, legs that come, they yeah. come from, yeah. And I mean they're playing that kind of little puppet stop motion kind of thing moving around, but even back then it just worked so seamlessly. I mean I'm sure it took an absolute ton of time to make those animatronics and those puppets Hell, work perfectly, like forever. But 
it works perfectly on the screen. It's not overused either. The Gremlins, it does take a little while before it builds to the Gremlins, but it's good because we get that nice build-up. We get to actually it feels know satisfying. Billy. Yeah. We get to know the whole town as yeah, well. Yeah, like you, you have the old the old bitch. <laughs> yeah, the old in bitch. The, <laughs> who's given Billy grief in the bank. And you know that she's getting her comeuppance, you know. It, it, Mrs. Deagle, that's Mrs. it. Deagle. I was trying to remember it. Mrs. It Deagle. plays up so many good kind of characters throughout the film. And one thing you'll know if if you if you've listened to the podcast before is I love when films flesh out the, the settings yeah. and when the towns feel real and you have multiple people and the, and it kind of feels like a living place. It does and literally. There's little, um, I was about to call it back to the future because it's the back to the future. It's the same as the back to the future. Yeah. They use the same set, but the whole Christmassy little theme, but you do get to know all these little characters that come into play later in the opening scenes, even though that you don't see them very much, you get to know like, the old bitch, Mrs. Deagle, you get to know her straight away. She yeah. rushes into that bank and she's like, I want your dog and I'm going to put it in the tumble dryer. And, yeah. you know, and then you've got the, the old man agree. Oh, yeah, I guess five minutes in that. That'll, that'll do good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, just agree with murdering the dog. So, yeah, just murder a dog. And then you get that little Kate and Billy like little, will little they, moment. Yeah, will they, won't they? Judge Reinhold, who, who is not in it uh, very much actually he's only in a f- like one or two scenes but you get him as the smarmy asshole kind yeah. of character and you get that straight away <laughs> yeah you know that judge reinhold does that great um yeah so yeah you already mentioned about thing but i mean for me gizmo i mean like before you had the old baby yoda or the baby groups or the million baby characters <laughs> they make now i mean he was the cutest little son of a bitch <laughs> yeah he was man <laughs> i always think that he must have inspired furbies yeah that's that that was part of what made I got given that that um that one that yeah the Furby, Furby. <laughs> the Furby. and it wasn't a Fur- it wasn't a Furby but I believe they did release a Furby version of it I was like I want that because it literally it looks they are I, Gizmo I never liked Furbies man well no I there was a kid in my in my year who loved Furbies and I think weird well when the Furbies were out when I had that I must have been what like year two year yeah. three so it was very much in the ball house of <laughs> this little animatronic thing that moves and talks to me it was annoying as fuck i talking of a yoda actually i had a yoda that was like a furby yeah so i had a little statue yoda, like a little yoda that that was a you know about a foot tall and you'd have a little lightsaber that came with it yeah and it would it would like give you ideas and stuff like that and every give time you ideas but he'd give you like oh tips for you know your <laughs> lightsaber and things like that and he'd have this thing and every time he'd like, he'd, like he'd, his eyes would just suddenly pop open and oh. it would happen in the middle of the night and it would scare <laughs> the fuck out of me because it was literally like oh there you yeah. are it's, it's just mm. like Fucking showing, hell. Showing like, Yoda your penis, and, you and are. Then what, I got so annoyed with it that I lobbed it. Literally, the attic was open and I just lobbed it into the attic, which was the worst thing I could have done. Because then, for like... Yoda the next, has the high ground. The next year, because I guess we were lazy as hell and couldn't be bothered to go and get out of the attic, all you would hear occasionally was... Oh, <laughs> in the middle of like you're walking into a room, like what the fuck is that? Thank you. It was Yoda. You have. I will return. Yeah, <laughs> I just imagine you with a little baby Furby, like walk, and your baby Gizmo, like walking around, <laughs> being like its dad, trying to breastfeed it and stuff like that. I don't know why. And that's the kind of child I imagine you are, man. That was me, a breastfeeding, <laughs> breastfeeding Furby. So, um, yeah. 
cute son uh, of a bitch. Yeah. He was got a, he was cute man. Animatronics are evil, but <laughs> yeah, animatronics are evil. But um, he was cool. Um, yeah, and yeah, so we've got that perfect blend of Christmas cheer with a darker depth. Yeah, and I think that's played out pretty perfectly. With you've got all of these, like obviously these evil critters running around. You've got a fair amount of death. There are more deaths than I think some people maybe realize because a lot of people get into accidents, things like that. Yeah, and I think it's implied that a lot of the people in, like well, do die, but you the you scientist don't see guy. It, obviously. Oh yeah, now his, that one you yeah. really do. Like yeah, that one's because you don't expect him to go. Um, and he's is he the first? I think he's the first to die. I think he might be. Yeah. Because I mean, he's yeah, studying. Talk about playing isn't? a stereotype. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only on. black guy in there. They <laughs> and made him a first. scientist. Yeah. And God damn it, he dies. <laughs> he dies first, man. But this yeah. was the this was the, the this was the eighties. <laughs> those those tropes were still about, man. <laughs> um, and then I've got on here about Kate's sad story. That perfect blend of it's Christmas, and then she tells this like really sad story. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I'm trying to when she goes. So she tells a story about her dad. Uh, one Christmas, the reason she hates Christmas is because one Christmas, um, her she, her and her, her mum were waiting for her dad to come home, and then he didn't come home, and he still didn't come home until they lit the fire. And oh yes, yeah. Suddenly, when they lit the fire, suddenly smoke started to and they started to smell something. And what it had been is, dad hadn't come back on Christmas Christmas Day. Because he was trying to surprise them by going down the chimney Fuck. as Santa Claus, and he slipped and broke his neck, and his dead body is what she was Ugh. smelling in the thing, and that's why she hates Christmas. Which, so yes, it sounds fair enough. That would make but you it's hate such Christmas. a like weird, like it stands out. It's this weird, haunting like monologue in the middle of this film. Yeah, and you're just kind of there, like, okay, but it kind of adds a little depth of emotion into this suddenly. Any minute now, the gremlins are about to go crazy and yeah. like go mad. I absolutely, I. My favourite scenes, uh, touching on the amount of deaths that there are, yeah. is I don't think uh, Billy's mum gets as much credit as she should. Oh, Because yeah, she mercilessly just bodies three or four fucking gremlins. This is, this, yeah, jump before, like, this is my, this was my favourite, this is my favourite scene. It's my second favourite, you know. Right, we'll um, come back to that then. Yeah. But yeah, no, that, that scene, I mean... Uh, do you hear what I hear? And then yeah. you just start seeing it like, popping up, but she fucking destroys them She more has than most. no mercy. Yeah. And, well, I mean, we talk Knife, a lot about... microwave, yeah. blender, get them done. You should get them brutal. done. Yeah. She literally comes up, and, and I love that bit when you, you see them actually transforming, and it starts yeah. like the, the smoke and the fog and the eggs that are kind of almost like alien kind of yeah, eggs. Yeah, they've been seen And they're just right? like... You're just all popping out and transforming, and you got that weird goo that's kind of popping and blur, and and then she comes up to that. It's like, oh shit, yeah, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, okay, you know, this is. I mean, I don't know if if they would kill a main character's mum, but I thought she's not gonna, you know, she's got to run away or she's got to get captured or yeah, something yeah. like that, and she just bodies them. Yeah, she does. She just she destroys. It's it's such a good scene, and talk about like the stereotype of the black guy. But actually, for the woman character, this was a pretty bit like yeah. she's owning them. She probably owns them better than anyone else in the film. Yeah, because you, I mean, ass. <laughs> you have your you kind of have the you know you have the trope of you know the final girl that kind of yeah. stuff. But that's for slasher films, mm, and yeah. you have you know you have your Ripley's and stuff like that. But 
you don't get any impression of any of like this from her. But then from the mum, do the you? mum is like the classic American mum. She she's is. there, like she's baking cookies, and you know she's watching It's a Wonderful Life. She's got the apron. She's got the house already. She's a she she's play, a housewife. She plays housewife, yeah. almost like subservient role. So yeah, you, you, it's like you, an almost fifties yeah. style. Like I am this like, I'm and a, then there I'm she like is. Just like the woman, second yeah. so it happens is like. You think Fucking so it's bad's gonna happen yeah. and bang, she's got bodies of man. And yeah, later on, I've got a couple of little behind the scenes that plays into that scene actually, which would have made it way worse than it oh, was. Shit. Um the so um yeah, love the transformation scene, love love the town, the bar scene. That's my I favorite love scene. the bar yeah, that was my other like I was between those two scenes. The bar scene. It's so funny. It's so hilarious, it's funny, but... man. I think one of the first posts I shared on our Instagram at CMTH Podcast, if you if you aren't following <laughs> us, was the Gremlins in the bar scene because it's that's just like how how we get at Christmas, man. Yeah, you know? yeah, I just love it that they're just going fucking mental. Yeah. One's flashing, they're just absolutely caning, scranning. I yeah, love I love the fact that this it, though it literally it kind of gives you a uniqueness about each gremlin. Yeah. So they don't just run into this. And this this scene is kind of what really helps with that is you kind of get it early on with when they're little mogwai, when they've all got their different stripes, obviously yeah. the leader, and some of them have got little quirks. But you really get all of these gremlins fleshed out. Each has got a different, yeah, you, like you said, you've got the... You've got the streak again. The streak. Uh, you've got the, like... Referencing on like flash dance, the yeah. dancing in the, the the in the leggings and yeah, the... you've got the one with put that's putting the makeup on and cross dressing. Yeah, the da- like and you got or is that a woman darts against the? I don't know. I I, I know. I don't think there is. A, I there assume... isn't. They're not either way. It's not until the... the sequel that they introduce an actual. The... I still female, haven't seen the sequel, but, but I, I think just all gremlins are, are like genderless. Yeah. Okay, and I think in the sequel, so not it's, a, it's a scientific experiment. They're cross dress. It's a cross dress. Like it's not. Well, it's not really cross dressing because they're not. He's male just dressed up. Yeah, that's what I yeah, mean. Yeah, but that's that's his character, which I love. I just love that he's doing that. Yeah, but I love that they're fucking playing cards. Yeah, they don't they're, know what they're playing either. Yeah. I think you've even got like a Godfather reference yeah, in there. Yeah. yeah, in the yeah. background and they're the smoking cigars. And yeah. And then Bunnings. you've got Phoebe Kate's yeah. character, Kate, just there, like, <laughs> trying to deal, still standing in the bar, trying yeah. to deal, like, obviously scared to even leave about what, but it's just so and surreal the banging that she's the, still the there. after Drake's and, and stuff not, like that. And it kind of gives you that weird, like, she's not actually, like, it does, she doesn't, in a way, she she looks scared, but she doesn't feel in total danger. It's kind of like the gremlins don't give a shit They just want to They're not, like, they're not, like, murderers which would have made it a much less interesting character that's the thing they'll attack you things like that but they never really played up completely as straight up murderers you know what i mean like the 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 science the, the science teacher when he's killed but then he was kind of taunting and teasing the other one a little bit so he kind of gets him just so that he can get the food kind of thing they're kind of yeah. seeking out what they want they're the very hedonistic the aren't they yeah they're they not, just want to party and just you don't really see them just trouble. they don't just run in and tear someone apart you know what i mean yeah they cause things that cause people to die which is part of the cool thing with the murray character where he's on about his american that uh no the the chinese the chinese cars that they have yeah. gremlins in them yeah and those things <laughs> and then all the appliances break down because of the gremlins yeah doing. and that's how um mrs deagle dies because yep, they mess with her thing out. and she launched straight out but the they're just like just having the crack, yeah. aren't they? It's just, just loving it's fun. It, that's what I mean. In the whole film, is because of it, is fun. It has this fun nature, and it is just you're just enjoying like every scene. It, when, it's yeah. quick. It's you know it doesn't lull really barely no. at all, and it just it, every scene it takes its time to build up. 
it like, does. It, it expands on the world and it makes you feel like you were like you were living in this town. Yeah. And then once once it happens, it kind of starts, you know, and it really kicks off. And like you said, it doesn't have a low period or anything like that. The bit in the cinema I love. Oh you yeah. Know? The, like the yeah the, the the way they the they, the satire of it like over yeah. the time obviously of those little bits, but the way they play on those things like they have the whole the gremlins doing hi ho hi ho like yeah. playing along with that kind of thing and. Those little moments just like make it that they've kind of like thought about this humor really well and not, like thought what what is our audience like going to enjoy? What are they going to like yeah. being played with these weird little creatures? It's like so so funny. It's classic Joe Dante, man. It is. It is such a good and yeah. It's got so many of those cool bits, the Peltzer inventions and things like that. So like I like the whole subplot with the dad and he's yeah, off trying to do inventions. a little. It's only a short bit, but it's nice and well done. And yeah, and then we lead obviously to the destruction of the theater and defeating Stripe, which is so cool. The the blowing up of the thing, but when you see the uh, the gremlins um, as they're trying to blow up the theater from behind the screen, and then you see all the gremlins yeah. come up, and you see all of their but like their shadows like tearing appear on the screen, it. tearing yeah. at it, and then yeah, and then you've got the the Stripe with the the yum yum looking at the the sweet shop, and then inside of yeah. it, I love the scene when he when he. Gizmo finally manages to get that light on him and defeats him. Yeah. When he melts, when his body comes down, there's this, this scene when his whole body's broken down, but his the body's still like Twitch. bubbling up yeah. and twitching, and his skin's still bursting up until literally until the very and then like it kind of at the end a bubble like pops of green and it's like it's such a cool like icky yeah. kind of effect. So let's talk some behind the scenes, man. Yeah. So um, behind the scenes. So. Um, Gremlins was actually released in the summer of 1984. There he goes, right there. <laughs> to complete with, uh, it was so yeah. That's what it was released in the summer. So you say it wasn't a Christmas period. It wasn't released at a Christmas period. Which is strange, isn't it? It was thrown out there to compete with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Ghostbusters because they had two very kind of weird supernatural films and they wanted something to compete with it. It didn't defeat either of those films, obviously. Like Ghostbusters was something like the second biggest film of 1984. I imagine Ghostbusters won that throwdown. Yeah, um, I I don't think weirdly I don't think Indiana Jones did better than Ghostbusters, which it I doesn't thought surprise would. me. Like Ghostbusters. Uh, Ghostbusters is awesome. Um, but the um, yeah, so th- this is uh, what we were talking about before. The, the original script was far do- darker, darker than the <laughs> darker <laughs> than the uh, end product that was released in 1984. Um, so Christopher Columbus, Christopher Columbus wrote this as a spec script. Okay. So he didn't even plan for this to be made into a film. He just thought that this was just to get people's attention so that he might get a job in Hollywood. Yeah. So he didn't even plan for it. And then Steven Spielberg came across it and was like, oh, this sounds pretty good, actually. But, but Steven Spielberg, being the family-friendly person he is, didn't like so much of the darker scenes that came into it. So, like, in the scene where Billy's mother investigates the strange noises in the attic, she was originally supposed to be decapitated by the gremlins and her head tossed down the stairs for Billy to discover. So taking out all of that like ass kicking scene, yeah. which made it so much better, it, that yeah. would that would have just started. yeah that would have just taken it into a bit more of a, just a slocky kind of horror. And what, you, what you would have expected. Yeah, exactly. It went against what you would have expected. And also in the original script, also contained a scene where the gremlins attacked a McDonald's, eating customers instead of burgers, <laughs> and another where Billy's dog gets eaten. I mean, oh, wow. so killing. Killing dogs is never going to be a good, like, killing yeah. animals are never going to be a great, for, like, anyway, most people hate like, when they that's do a, that. Yeah, that's a big bad guy move, killing animals. And I think, as I, as I said before, it all kind of goes against what we were just saying, what made it good. 
They are, the fact that they don't just attack and just eat people for no reason makes them a different kind of creature. Yeah. They cause things that cause people to die. They don't necessarily, they're not always necessarily the thing that actually kills them. You know what I mean? Even as we said, the scientist, he gets stabbed with the needle, but he doesn't get like eaten or mauled or like ripped apart. Just, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're just like chilling. They're just, little, they're just little, they're just little, <laughs> they're just little fuckers. Yeah, the that's crack. what I mean. They're the gremlins. Uh, so Gizmo was originally scripted to turn into the gremlin stripe. Uh, however, Spielberg overruled the idea, saying that he thought it was best to leave Gizmo furry and cute as the audiences would want that. And as we know, yeah. furry and cute <laughs> kind of works. It man. sells. It, it, and it works perfectly <laughs> in the balance to the actual gremlins. Yeah. You know what I mean? To have that balance. And, you know, Spielberg. So I guess they were kind of like overruled. It's like, yeah. yeah you know, it's Spielberg. You're like fucking bigger than Spielberg. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you want to do the next that we were talking? <laughs> yeah. Um, so each of the animatronic gremlins cost between $30,000 and $40,000, which is a well, lot of money. how many they yeah, have? Yeah, there's a lot of gremlins, man. There's a bar <laughs> full of them going wild. Yeah, this is before CGI, so they couldn't yeah. recreate. They just had to have all of those. Bastards. But that's probably better, to be honest. Yeah, it is better. Uh, and when everyone left the lot for the day, security would have everyone open the trunks of their car to make sure none was stolen. Imagine stealing a gremlin. Yeah, I'll take my <laughs> animatronic one home. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking this one. I mean, apart from selling it, I can't think of whatever re- like whatever reason apart from someone who's really a bit twisted <laughs> for taking that gremlin home. Just have have the cigar smoking gremlin like just there. <laughs> so yeah, in the bar scene, so we have um, into the next one. We have uh, in the bar scene, you have the gizmo is like pinned up against the wall and they're like throwing things at him and things like that so this was based on the fact that the crew hated gizmo gizmo the gizmo puppets were particularly frustrating because they were smaller and broke down more than the actual other gremlins and to satisfy the crew the scene was added in where he's getting the darts thrown at him. This was an item that the crew created known to them as the horrible things to do to Gizmo <laughs> list. The sick and twisted list. Throwing darts at him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a young Christopher Columbus uh, wrote the original screenplay for Gremlins. Uh, and the Mogwai themselves were inspired by the scuttles he'd hear in the New York City apartment. Um, he went on saying, uh, by day it was pleasant enough. But at night, what sounded like a platoon of mice would come out, and to hear them skittering around in the blackness was really creepy. And that you can kind of you can see that in the in the actual film, you know. Yeah, yeah, you can. That kind of yeah, you can see how that like noises in the background, little things, little things that go bump in the night like that. Yeah, is done. Um, so I mentioned about Judge Reinhold only having like two scenes in this film, even though he was getting fairly popular at the time. Um, and that's because uh, he himself said he was disappointed because his plot turned into a cameo um, in a subplot that was removed from the movie. Uh, but it, you can see it in the deleted scenes on the DVD. Um, Billy's kind of girlfriend, Kate, uncovers the conniving Mrs. Deagle's scheme to reclaim land from the unemployed of Kingston Falls and sell it onto the high tax chemical company. Judge, so Judge Randall was a bigger part of that because he was part of those scenes of, you know, that's why he comes across so sleazy because he's going to make a big payday. In, he's supposed to be in some of his man. scenes. Yeah, he, he plays up in the bar like, I'm going to make so much money soon kind of thing. And you see with Mrs. Deagle at the beginning, she's like, like, go away, all of you with money. I'll be getting the money out of you soon enough. And I think all of that was cut down because it just... 
it would have just been an extra thing that you didn't. Yeah. I, I think it's the right thing to do. Definitely. It, it doesn't it sound been, like it added anything to the film. It could have been a bit over convoluted as well. It's you know. Try it sounds like too hard trying to make Mrs. Deagle into this uber when uber you hate her enough at the beginning yeah you're like i don't need to hate her more she's fine she's a bitch yeah. i don't now need her to be i mean stealing I, land <laughs> i was trying to find out if judge Reynolds' character actually dies in that version but okay. i haven't didn't find anything about that so i did think it was weird that that character was introduced and you kind of don't see him again yeah. I like that. None of that goes down. I like that somebody called Christopher Columbus wrote a uh, wrote a subplot about stealing land. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> historical joke. There we go. But of tiss. Um, and Tim Burton was actually uh, originally first choice to direct. Playing back. <laughs> throwback to our boy. Uh, Spielberg is said to have fought long and hard about offering Burton the gig, directing Gremlins, but eventually settled on Joe Dante. Uh, who Spielberg had previously worked with on Twilight Zone, the movie, um, for the job. The reason Spielberg passed Burton over was due to the concerns about him not having directed a full feature film at that point, with Dante already had several features under his belt, including the werewolf classic, The Howling. Um, and considering that Burton's eventual film debut, P.B. Herman's Big Adventure, as we said <laughs> earlier, um, came out just one year uh, after Gremlins, it's likely Spielberg's concerns were unfounded. Uh, it would have been interesting to see how Burton would have approached this film. Yeah. Um, although it's it's doubtful that Burton kind of harbors anything about not being picked because yeah. his career, as we mentioned, he went on to freaking Batman. Yeah, he went on. And his, he basically got to create his own style for years. You know, it's yeah. only recently that it's kind of made less money at the box office. So it's not as big as it once was but he's never going to go away now he's up there with in his own style with the way that spielberg gets to yeah get away he's a record he's his own recognizable yeah. name isn't he's he? got his own he's his own auteur as they say his Ooh. own style very fancy um so yeah so i mentioned uh, about the the kate's reveal so her speech and there's a famous urban literature this is a f- famous urban legend that's referenced in the film. So in which, when she reveals about her dad dying at Christmas when he was dressed as Santa Claus and broke his neck climbing down the family chimney, after the film was completed, so that's actually a standard in America, that's an urban legend of things that people say have happened yeah. before, that it's a standard thing. I can't really imagine many people... Like, I can. Like, I can imagine you trying it for cool effects. <laughs> so you can see it happening in a way. But then how many people... Have, really tried to get down or can fit down their chimney in order you feel like it's a bit of a an an idiot move to be like it's a, a darwin award kind yes, of winner though, to be but like, i imagine people have tried it you know for yeah, young kids and get down there i mean we don't really have fireplaces over here in the uk do we not no. anymore no not, not those kind of fireplaces. Yeah, those, those giant like they that you could literally stand inside of like yeah. i have a fireplace but it like yeah you couldn't it's literally like that. i couldn't go inside of it unless i'm chopped into bits yeah <laughs> um so after the film um was completed uh, the speech was really seen as quite controversial and studio and executives insist upon its removal from the film because they felt it was too ambiguous ambiguous <laughs> no, as to whether it was supposed to be funny or sad which, if you've seen the scene, it I don't really get that at all. It's sad. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> sad. The, the executive said, "I go ah, 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 ah. that was a great joke because <laughs> it was Christmas Day and she could smell her dad burning <laughs> in the chimney, and now she's right traumatized for life. Laughing, yeah, that's fucking ah, uh, that's, a, that's a rib tip. Um, so yeah, the, the, 
Dante was like, well, I said stubbornly, but he was like refusing. Like he's not taking it out of the film. He said it represented what the film was, a combination of horrific and comedic elements, which I think is true. I think it works perfectly. It's like this little scene that kind of just stops the film for a second, but not in a bad way. It kind of just brings together the heart of the film a little bit of how people can have different ideas about Christmas. And it kind of builds onto that so that's one that really does make it into more of a christmas film in that way with a horrific kind of way (laughs) yeah um so um despite steven bilberg steven bilberg steven Steven bilberg lesser known uh (laughs) rip off yeah (laughs) his mexican cousin yeah um despite his creative control he let dante have what he you know, he said it was Dante's project and allowed him to leave it in. So there's a bit of a contrast between earlier on Tim Burton with uh, the director of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and this one. Spielberg was like, okay, at the end of the day, it's it's your film. Yeah, You're the one actually directing it. You can do it. Tim Burton was not so much with that. Yeah. He was like, no, it's mine. But then again, I think this scene works better in the film and I think Tim Burton's vision worked better in that Yeah, film. definitely. So it kind of all comes together in that way. Um but yeah, so well, you, you've already mentioned your bar scene is your favourite scene. And I mine, love that um, scene, man. And mine was the mum. And I think either of those being cut out of the film would have just made it such a weaker film. Yeah, they, def- they definitely flesh out the films in their own different parts. One is just insanely badass. And yeah. like you said, if the mum had died... The film would have gone down a bit more of a, a kind of a generic stereotype. Yeah, I mean, if those were two scenes that were going to happen, I've got to imagine there were more scenes where the gremlin were tearing into people, things like that. Which just, as I said, I mentioned the film Critters before, which is yeah. kind of more that. It's puppets just killing off people. You know what I mean? It's not, you know, some people love them. Uh, I haven't seen them. In a, I no, saw I, them when I was very young. I haven't watched um, But they're, that is what they are. They're, they're schlocky little, old, fun little things, which were rip-offs of gremlins. But yeah. that's what gremlins could have been if it wasn't for the heart that's kind of put into this film. And I think the Christmas element does help with that, to bring it to its Christmassy note. Yeah. <laughs> um, it does help to kind of bring that together, that little festive kind. It kind of shows everyone together and everyone's trying to, you know, have the best Christmas they can. And then in come these little bastards to, to ruin everything. You know yeah. what I mean? And it, it's that mix that I think makes it, it, it might not seem always like a fully a Christmas film, but I think it is a perfect, like, family-friendly horror. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not too dark. It's not too thing. You could show it to a fairly young, and it wouldn't completely scar them. No, well, I remember watching it when I was relatively young, probably about seven or eight, maybe. Yeah. You know, so, uh, which is why I probably forgot until it was. I watched it again when I was much older that it was a Christmas film yeah. because I didn't remember the Christmas elements. You'd remember the, the I, scary or horror yeah. elements. I remember the, the opening scene. Even yeah. though he buys, you know, he, he does buy um, Gizmo as a, as a Christmas present. I just remembered him buying it for his son. And yeah. then I remember the, the mum killing the gremlins. I remember the bar scene. I remember the transformations. So my brain didn't remember any of the Christmas stuff. And because I'm not naturally that much of a Christmassy person, I don't really watch many Christmas films. I just kind of put it into the back of my mind as not yeah. being a Christmas film. <laughs> yeah. So, and... Finally, that end that ending, as we referenced at the beginning, it's just that perfect little lead you on your way if you hear any bumps in the night. Or like yeah. It's the perfect little ending to a film. Um, so those are our favourite. Our... <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> what this is now? Festive favourite 
So, favorite festive frighteners. I there we go. We got favorite it. Favorite festive frighteners. There we go. There End we on a positive note <laughs> of remembering our own title. Uh, so uh, we will be back for another Christmas episode if this damn corona will let us. Yeah. Um, it's all been a little bit up in the air as to we've had to do this one a little bit shorter notice because it's been hard to get anything sorted yeah. in this time, this crazy, crazy time. And hopefully we'll be able to come back for another festive episode where we are going to attempt something. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try something different. A yeah. nice, uh, imagine, you know, it's been Christmas Day because this one will be open. This one will be open. This episode will be out before Christmas. Yeah. And you can have this as your, your Christmas treat. And then... <laughs> You get another little something that got delayed in the post a couple of days after Christmas. That's what the next episode will be, you know, still Xmas <laughs> themed, but it'll just be, it'll be the delayed Xmas present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So over to you, Bobby. Yep. So uh, we are over on Twitter and Instagram at CMTH podcast. Come and let us know what you thought of it. What is your favorite festive frighteners? Um, and also if you are listening on a device, which enables you to, then please uh, like and subscribe to the podcast so you can get the episodes as soon as they come out and we can reach more people. We shall see you soon and have a nice Christmas. 